to talk about a couple ideas that kind of intersect. I know I do this from time to time. Hopefully I can make sense of these because I know they do definitely relate to one another. And, and they've been ideas, interestingly, that have come to me via different sources. I think a lot of this is coming together because of something going on in my personal life. Well, I say my personal life, it's kind of my professional life. It's a role that I have in the company I work for. I'm a local union representative, and I'm pretty new into this role. I took it on as, well, for various reasons. One one of the ma main ones being that I wanted to be able to give something back and be able to help the people around me, and this seemed like a way that I could reasonably do that. So one of the things happening now is, is sort of a dispute between one of the members and the manager, and we're seeing a scenario playing out that there's two different versions of. There's the manager's version, and there's the employee's version. And part of the process is trying to get down to figuring out which is the reality but that's just so that that's maybe partly why this is on my mind so much something came up on i think it was on my google news feed it they have suggestions of articles that might interest you and there was one that came up about a week ago or so so i'll probably not remember it exactly but it was on psychology today or one of those websites the article was titled something like how self-awareness can help you get the life you want that's obviously something i believe that's something i talk about a lot in this podcast and one of the things this article said that really got me to thinking was they talked about the fact that self-awareness isn't something that you like a light switch you would just flick on or off there's different levels you can have of course this got me to thinking well how can you measure whereabouts you are on this and what are the things you can do to improve upon it and while doing this i started doing some researching and and one of the things that came up is the idea of NLP or Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is something that I've been familiar with to a certain extent for quite a number of years. I don't think I pieced it quite together as well over those years as I did in the last few days. There is a saying in NLP, one of the presuppositions that the it's something like the territory is not the map. So in other words, your view of reality doesn't necessarily reflect what it is, but it's your view. And one of the ideas with neuro-linguistic programming is that we make associations in our brain using language. Now this is fairly similar to another idea that I was looking into recently or that that came to me and again i can't this one i can't remember quite why i was thinking of it but it was something called narrative identity which i believe was most heavily uh, propagated by someone named dan mcadams 
and I think he's written books on this. I've just read some articles and things and, and seen some of his lectures. And But the concept is here that the way that we make sense of our memories is via stories. And this is why, uh, as human beings, we're kind of story machines. And this is why stories tend to be generational and, and last for so long in human culture. And neuro-linguistic programming is kind of similar, except it's taking, it's not talking about stories per se, not the, uh, the combination of these words into some kind of narrative form, but simply associating objects and experiences and emotions even with language that we can understand to make sense of it. And I think it's sort of a two-way thing where when we see some something in order to understand what it is, we assign some kind of a word to it uh, or some kind of language or, or something. So it's, it's something that's uh, a little bit abstract, but certainly been interesting to me over the last couple of days. I guess this is kind of related and not related, but the idea of tying emotions to language is one that I found a very effective because I think it's about the most powerful thing we can do in order to control our emotions is to label them is the the one thing to give them a name because when we experience emotions they are feelings and then when we can translate that into language, I think it helps us to better understand it. And it takes away a little bit of their power over us. So tying these ideas into the, the kind of physical realm has been a bit of a challenge. Interestingly, one of the things that came up while I was uh, while I was looking at the uh, some of the the principles behind NLP is one of the statements was that the only way to know whether something is possible is to proceed as if it is possible, and I like that. I like it because. Well, first of all, I think it ought to be said that w there are limitations in reality. I mean, not everything is always possible. And trying to eradicate limitations is uh, not only impossible, but a little bit foolish. So that isn't to say that the the we can kind of uh, imagine away our limitations that's called self-delusion um, rather what it's talking about is finding those limitations and then if possible expanding upon them and limitations I believe are a good thing they are essentially what gives life meaning. And when we can push up against those limitations and expand upon them, then we're really involved in something meaningful in life. I'm pretty sure this is something that I've touched on before, but it's interesting that it came up again here with this. Of course, this 
all kind of sprang from the place of uh, of reading the article about self-awareness. And I think that ties in nicely because in order to learn our limitations, we have to be aware and somewhat accepting of where we happen to be. Um, I'm going to take a moment and read something to you. I just found it in my uh, little notebook, and it was a couple questions that I asked myself, and I, I found the answers that I came up with while writing it freehand quite interesting. So the questions were, number one, what could I do better? And number two, what things should I learn about? So there was a couple key points I pulled out, especially of this first question. So what could I do better? So what I wrote was, I could be better at, at engaging people. I think I spend too much time worrying. I can be better at formulating my ideas in a way that makes sense. I highlighted that one upon reading it because, in a sense, that's what this audio series is all about. Trying to turn my ideas into sensible words. I go on to say, I can be better at being both assertive but not aggressive. Strong in my integrity, but still likable. Then I actually wound up asking myself a follow-up question here. I said, why is being likable important to me? Maybe I crave acceptance too much, which was a bit of a rev revelation to me. Maybe I do, do uh, crave acceptance too much, and maybe that's something I need to work on. And then I go on to say, the people I admire most have a very inviting and non-aggressive approach, approach. But I also admire people who are able to be true to their values without attacking others who choose different values. So there's a lot in there. Uh, this is just about me. I'm sure every person who goes through this exercise could probably find out a lot about themselves simply by asking that question, what could I do better? And actually, I would encourage asking that follow-up question that I came up with kind of in the moment while doing it, which is, why is this important to me? So things I can learn about was the second one I, I said, and um, so I basically said that uh, if I'm to improve assertiveness, it means uh, it makes sense to learn about that, learn exercises that would help that, as well as unlearning neuroticism. And that has to do with me worrying too much. I would also like to learn about finances. So how to better invest and, and those types of things, because it's it's interesting to me. It's also a huge mystery, and it's also extremely overwhelming every time I've tried to learn about that. So, um, I did actually, funny enough, on the next page, I was looking into 
the process of of assertiveness and uh, I felt that it had to do with understanding yourself and your values, confidence, integrity, compassion, acknowledging that you can't control others, uh, expressing yourself positively, being open to criticism, i.e. humble, learning to say no. So, anyway, there's quite a lot there. Oh, wow. Okay, so I guess I was kind of all over the place there. Anyway, um... So, getting back to this... He said... She said thing. Again, it was just more evidence of... This idea that our reality is so very different from the uh, the reality of someone else in a way and our our memory is different our our memories distort things and yet to us it's real and i could tell there were two people who either were extremely good liars or they truly believed what they were saying, even though they were extremely different. I think my big takeaway from this is, again, uh, just an awareness. An awareness to every experience and every moment trying to be aware of, of the the stimuli coming at me try to absorb it and make sense of it and make sense of the fact that I'm making sense of it. I'm not sure how that can manifest in terms of building muscle aside from just a hyper-awareness of the muscles that I'm trying to find the limits on and push those limits. That being said, I tried something where I did extremely heavy leg press from a uh, from a very low position, so I was my, my knees were almost at my ears, uh, not quite that bad, but they were it was a, a very low position and I I did heavy leg presses from a stop position and it hurt. It didn't hurt my legs, it hurt my core, my gut. It felt like my intestines were going to blow out my back. Um, so I think maybe I'll need a slightly different approach for that. But it was certainly an interesting experiment. <laughs>